people think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. Well, today we're going to be talking to Mandy Trollinger. She's a physician assistant. She was on dialysis for many years. She's a renal dietitian. She's had two kidney transplants. She has achieved so much with what she's been through. And today she's going to be talking to us about pregnancy and kidney disease. And I know that I'm really interested to hear about this. So welcome to the show, Mandy. Thank you very much, Lori. So tell us a little bit about, you know, people think, well, if I've had a transplant, should I have a child? Should I not? Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what what the concerns are? Um, Well, first off, when people are on dialysis, a lot of people think, um, especially with women, because their cycles will become very irregular or possibly even stop, and some patients think they can't get pregnant, and we've had a couple patients um, that have been pregnant on dialysis, and they are very high-risk pregnancies, but nowadays, you know, people are getting transplants, and with that being said, over the, you know, past 10, 15 years... Uh, with transplants, usually fertility returns as well, and we're seeing more and more transplant recipients uh, having children now. So it is something that it's still a high-risk pregnancy, but it is getting more common nowadays, and uh, it still has to be followed very closely, and they're trying to do more research on it. And there is a registry called the National Transplant Pregnancy Registry, which actually monitors... uh, several different types of organ transplants and the pregnancy outcomes. As most people probably know, you can't really do research studies or intervene with pregnant women or on children because it's not really ethical. So this registry is a really good way that it just monitors all the different transplant recipients, males and females, that have had children and if the kids had any birth defects or if there are any complications in the pregnancy and they're trying to relate birth defects also to a lot of the immunosuppressants that are used as well. So it's a great resource that we've learned a lot from that we're seeing more and more transplants have healthy babies, but, you know, there are some that do have babies that are very high risk, and there are some bad outcomes, unfortunately, too. Now, when you learned you were pregnant, so what were your concerns? So tell us about the process of what you went through. Well, we had talked about it for a while, and I had had my transplant for six years, so I was very far out, or fairly far out from my transplant, and we had had no problems. I've been fortunate enough to not even have to take blood pressure medications as well, and we went and saw, I first discussed it with my transplant nephrologist, then we also consulted with two different high-risk OB doctors, or obstetrics, and then also my regular OBGYN doctor, And we looked at all the risks and whether or not and kind of weighed the benefits and the risk of going forward with this. So one thing they do look at, they look at where your creatinine level, you know, is. And what was your creatinine at the time? 0.9 to 1 is my baseline creatinine with a transplant. So usually they don't recommend 
or there are better outcomes if the creatinine is usually less than 1.2. I know. When I had my third transplant, my creatinine was 2.2. This was back in 1990. And that kidney lasted for 20 years. But they told me in my early 20s, and, you know, if you get pregnant, you will probably lose the transplant. And, you know, maybe it would have changed today, but I think, wow, 2.2 isn't the best creatinine. It did last 20 years, but I think, you know, you have to really take that into consideration, your overall health before you even consider this. Exactly. And that's one thing. If if someone does have a creatinine higher, you are at a lot more risk of damaging that kidney. With right. The- because it's, it's difficult. I mean, birth is difficult on anybody's kidneys if you're completely healthy. And that's what I think a lot of people don't understand. Yeah. And you've got to look at, you know, blood pressure is a big factor. Uh, You need to have well-controlled blood pressure. And if you're on blood pressure medications, they have to look if they're safe to use during pregnancy. The immunosuppressant regimen, there is common drug Cellcept, which is used nowadays. It has been related to birth defects. So, If someone is taking that drug, they sometimes will switch them to another immunosuppressant that they've seen has been safer with pregnancy. With most of the other drugs, the common ones used, um, Prograf and Rapimune, um, Azathioprine is another one that they look at. And a lot of pregnancies have been successful, um, and they aren't relating birth defects at a higher rate um, than the general population as far as the Prograf or um, azathioprine. So it is something that your doctor would have to discuss with you on if your immunosuppression regimen would need to be changed during the pregnancy. Um, And you are monitored. I was monitored very closely. I had to get, um, at the minimum, monthly labs drawn. And I had, you know, monthly transplant appointments. I went to my OB more often in the high-risk OB. We had monthly ultrasounds done just to monitor everything as well as the drug levels of the immunosuppressants as well, because usually about the third trimester, it's very common with several different types of medications where levels are monitored that you have to increase the dosage of the medication to maintain the level you're supposed to be at because of the impact of pregnancy on the body. Now, were you able to keep working, you know, during your pregnancy like most women do? Yeah, I worked up to, he was born at 37 and a half weeks, and I worked up to my last day of work was on a Friday, and then he was delivered on that Monday evening. Oh my goodness, Mandy, that's amazing. It does get tiring, um, you know, like anybody else. I was very fortunate, though. We had a very, you know, healthy pregnancy, and I didn't feel too bad besides the normal being tired when you're on your feet more. Right. And how much did the baby weigh? He was seven pounds, four ounces. So we were very happy with that because uh, some of the biggest risks with transplant patients and pregnancy are preterm labor, which um, he was considered term because we were at 37 weeks, and then low birth weight or growth retardation is a concern. And he was great weight and great length and Everything went very well. Wow, that's amazing. And his name is Brandon. That's such a cute name. And he's got uh, some other uh, furry feather friends, right? No, he doesn't have feathered ones. He just has furry siblings, right? No feathered ones yet. No feathered ones yet. But yes, he came home to two big Labrador retrievers and two cats, and they all adore him. So we have one dog that she thinks it's her baby, too. She always looks to where he's at. and So they, they meshed very well. We did bring home... Or my husband brought home blankets that uh, Brandon, we had used in the hospital, so it had his scent on them. 
So while I was still in the hospital, he brought those blankets home and put them in the dog bed so the dogs would recognize the scent to make it a little less uh, traumatic for the dogs. Oh, that's that's a good idea. So did you have to uh, follow a special diet or do you have to be careful about weight gain? Because, I mean, you know, when you have a transplant as a whole, you have to be careful about weight gain because of the medication. I, um, you know, depending on the weight someone is going into pregnancy, they recommend anywhere from usually it's about 20 to 30 pounds, sometimes a little more, a little less. But so, you know, they had recommended that I gain 25 pounds during pregnancy, and I did be cautious of it because I know a lot of people will crave different foods. I fortunately didn't have really any cravings, but they think they can eat an extra 1,000 calories a day for pregnancy, and you will gain weight with that. So you, have to, you do have to be careful and not gain too much weight because, of course, after the pregnancy, you want to get that weight off, and that's going to be more weight to lose. But um, I just watched it carefully and continued to follow kind of a heart-healthy diet, which I try to always do. And, um, you know, I gained 30 pounds total, so it was pretty much right on there. Did it take you a while to lose it? Um, I am two months out, and I am two pounds away, so I've lost the 28 pounds. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Now, did you have to have a C-section, or do most patients, you know, can they give, uh, you know, can they have natural childbirth? What's the the norm? Um, With transfer recipients, they do natural childbirth um, and C-sections, but the C-section rate does tend to be um, a little higher, and because he was earlier, he tolerated, you know, I did go into labor for about mm, seven, eight hours, and then I wasn't progressing at the rate they needed me to. And so we did end up having a C-section due to that. But, um, I mean, C-section rate is a little higher in transplants, but a lot of people do have natural childbirths as well. It just depends on if there are any other complications. If someone has really high blood pressure, um, you know, they might try to induce the pregnancy. And if things don't progress along, you know, because the body's just not ready to deliver, then they do have to go to a C-section. Well, you know, uh, I saw an article, it was maybe a year or two ago, but C-sections are on the rise because people want to schedule their birth. And I thought that was so interesting. I mean, you know, it's like they, you know, they want to have it on Friday and, you know, take a week off and get back to work or, um, you know, all these different things, which I found absurd. But, uh, you know, they want to plan their day of pregnancy and not have anything left for surprise. <laughs> I, you know, I've heard that too, and I think any physician that would schedule a C-section for pure convenience without a valid reason, I, you got to question that judgment because it's not good. You know, with pregnancy, most of the time when the body's ready, the body's ready. But um, you just—I know my OBGYN and I discussed that, and we thought it was just she—she she would never do that with anybody. You know, she's gonna—if she does a C-section, there's a valid medical reason to do it, um, and. You know, I don't know why anyone would choose a C-section over natural childbirth. Um, It is a longer recovery time because you do have the incision. And, you know, you have a newborn baby you're trying to lift. And people that have had transplants out there, I'm sure, remember back to, you know, when they're incisions, every time you cough or sneeze, it pulls there for the first couple weeks. And bending or picking up things can be a little bit more difficult. And when you're trying to take care of a newborn, um, after having a C-section, that, can be a little bit more taxing on you. Well, infection rate too. I mean, just the infection rate of having surgery is, you know, enough to say, you know, I don't need to do this unless I absolutely have to. Right. And they even, you know, a lot of times they'll use antibiotics during the pregnancy for the mom to help prevent that. And they did do that with me, especially the fact that I'm on immunosuppression at a higher risk. They just try to put as many preventative measures in place. And so I was fortunate to 
had a normal C-section and everything healed perfectly well. Now, um, you've discussed a little bit about the risk to the baby. The baby, Brandon, was born healthy. Are, is there anything you need to look for in the future as he develops? Right now, I mean, if you have a baby, because there is a risk for uh, preemies or premature babies with transplant recipients, the risks with the normal population of preemies is similar to what we see in preemies to transplant patients. There are some studies, you know, that you've got to watch, you know, weight gain. Obviously, if it's a preemie, you make sure they're gaining enough weight. You know, there are some studies relating to cognitive function might be a little slower in preemies. But really, I mean, it's the same as the general population. Yeah, it's it's amazing because I actually met somebody who had a, a healthy baby on dialysis. They have to monitor that child and everything. But I mean, it's, it's, you know, transplantation has come so far. Treatment for dialysis has come so far. And, you know, this is an option for some people. They just need to find out if it's an option for them. Yeah, um, it is something that you do have to weigh the benefits and risks. And really, I think I was just reading an article the other day that half of the pregnancies in transplant patients are, so I'd say, accidental. But, you know, and some people, depending on their situation, if they are trying to get pregnant and if you are trying for a planned pregnancy, that's where I encourage you really need to meet with a high-risk OB, meet with your transplant nephrologist because um, you're going to have that entire team and you're going to have a lot of appointments and that's part of it. Um, you know, the last month or two I was being seen one to two times a week and it was a lot to try and get that in with my work schedule too, but um, it's definitely worth it. But you have to go into this type of pregnancy, knowing it's going to be more time-consuming, and you do have to make sure and manage your stress as well, too. So is Brandon letting you sleep all night yet? He, We have fortunately ended up with a an angel baby. He <laughs> is actually sleeping close to six, seven hours now at two months old and rarely fusses, and everybody just even says he's a very good baby. We are very, very fortunate. Now, I'm curious, too, um, is it okay to breastfeed and do all the normal things, or did you have to put him on formula? Um, I chose not to breastfeed. Um, one of my immunosuppressants, there just is not data. And then with another immunosuppressant, there is actually um, some studies coming out now that it might be safe, but there's so much unknown on what these drugs are secreted, most of them in breast milk. And we just don't know what impact can have on the kid. And being a former dietitian, you know, I really looked at the formulas, and the formulas have really, really tried to mimic breast milk. Of course, it's not exactly the same, and I still think breastfeeding is the best way to go, but you have to weigh the risks. And the risks were too great for me to do that to my child, so I chose not to with him. Well, that's uh, that's amazing. And Mandy, um, can you wrap up a little bit with tell us how busy you are and you work at Denver Nephrology in Denver, Colorado as a physician assistant and you get to see people with kidney disease. So I imagine you are such an inspiration to them as I know you are an inspiration to me because you just, you know, from a child having kidney disease to just pushing forward, you're a great example of, you know, living your life to the fullest. Um, yeah, so as you said, I do work as a physician assistant and I cover... Um, Oh, how many? About four or five dialysis units. And then I also see office patients. So I see chronic kidney disease and a few transplant patients here and there. And then I also uh, serve with the National Kidney Foundation on the Council of Advanced Practitioners, which covers uh, physician assistants and nurse practitioners. 
And then I've also been involved with Renal Support Network, of course, as you know. Yes, we've known each other for a long time, haven't we? That's <laughs> where it all started. <laughs> and um, someday we're going to start a pet rescue together, aren't we? That, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Mandy. And um, I look forward to, you know, seeing the pictures we're going to be posting up with this article. And you know what? Brandon's got a great life and a great example of somebody overcoming, you know, so many obstacles to achieve their goals. And um, also, by the way, I think we should give a shout out to Steve. Yes, that has been right. He, he is. He's there. And, you know, uh, who men who are considering fathering children, they don't have as many risks, but they still have to be concerned about the immunosuppressant drugs, correct? Yes. And that's one thing I do encourage. If anybody does have a pregnancy and they do have a transplant, moms or dads, then I do encourage you to contact the National Transplant Pregnancy Registry because this is where we're collecting this data and they follow, they will contact me, you know, in the year's future to also follow Brandon's development and if there are any issues. And we can learn so much from that. And I mean, it's free. It's just a quick questionnaire and then they do all the work for you and they'll call you every few years. So I do encourage people if you are pregnant to contact them. All right. Well, thank you, Mandy. And uh, I'm glad you're having restful nights. (laughs) Thank you so much. We can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our healthcare team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference. 